Hope Des Moines, how are you doing this morning? Good. Hey, it's so good to see you. Isn't it tough to wait? It's so tough to wait. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me be here today. It's uh, an honor to be with you. Uh, my name, uh, as Pastor John said, my name's Nick, and I work at Hope's West Des Moines campus. I work with high school students, uh, which is really, really fun. I'm also really excited to see that Power Life, which is Hope's junior high ministry, and Ignition, Hope's high school ministry, is getting started here at Hope Des Moines, which is awesome. That's really, really cool. So, um, but hey, it's tough to wait, isn't it? I mean, whether you're a little kid and you're just waiting on that second marshmallow and you know there was this promise that that adult would come back and give you another one and, and you just want to wait, but you just want to eat it so bad. You just, you just want it, but it's tough to wait. It's really tough to wait. Waiting can be really, really difficult. And, and the truth is, for many of us, it, it might be that we're waiting on a lot of different things. It might be that we're waiting on some, maybe some more serious things than a second marshmallow. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've, uh, you've been saying some prayers, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting on God, and God hasn't really been coming through for you in the timing that you hoped that he would. And all of a sudden, things get more serious than a marshmallow, right? Or you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to find a job, or you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for something in your life to change, and, and it can be really difficult. I remember one time, uh, I got in trouble for making my mom wait, so... Um, this is something that's weird about me. Maybe you're the same. So for me, I'm always, almost always looking forward to that next stage of life. Do you know what I'm talking about? So when you're in junior high, what are you wait, where are you waiting to be? You're waiting to be in high school, right? So, and when you're in high school, you are waiting and excited and ready to be in college or out of high school on your own, right? And so you want to have that freedom. You want to have like all the cool things that go along with that stage of life. And so for me, I was waiting. I was really, really excited. And I finally, I graduated from Valley High School and I went off to Iowa State in college. It was just really cool. You could stay up till four in the morning doing absolutely nothing just because you can, you know, it was awesome. And, uh, and I remember I came back for Christmas break. And uh, for Christmas break, I was hanging out with my family, hadn't seen my brother in a while, so I was like, all right, let's have some good brother time. So I took my brother, I told my mom, hey, Ben and I, we're gonna go to the arcade, we're gonna play some games. And so we went and we played some games, and the arcade, I guess, was really expensive, so we decided to stop playing games. We're like, all right, let's go to a movie. Now in college, you don't have to call your mom. You can just go to a movie. But when you're 12, you're supposed to call your mom. I forgot. So we went to the movie, and this movie, it was a great movie, and, uh, and the problem was it was actually a little bit long. And so uh, by the time that we got out, it was about midnight. And so when you're in college, you know, it's probably okay if you're out till midnight. But when you're 12 and mom doesn't know where you're at, well, you're probably worrying mom. And so we were, we were um, good citizens, and we got into the movie theater, and, and we did the thing that every good citizen does in a movie theater. You know, you turn your cell phone down, and you put it on silent, so when someone, I don't know, like your mom, calls wondering where you're at, you, you don't hear the call. And so it's midnight, we pull out our phone, and we see, oh, mom has called us 28 times. It's not like mom's crazy. She's just a loving, caring mom. She's just wondering where her babies are at. And my 12-year-old brother, he's probably never been out till midnight in his life. And, of course, he thought it was the coolest thing ever. He thought it was amazing. But, uh, but it, it, when we got home, my mom 
I mean, you should have seen her. She just was like the tears, and she was just envisioning all of the awful things that could have happened. All you moms are you're nodding right now. All the awful things that could happen to her babies. And, and so she was waiting and waiting and waiting for us to get home. She was sitting on the steps right by the door to see the headlights come into the driveway and just hoping and waiting and waiting, hoping that nothing bad had happened. And, of course, I felt awesome coming in and seeing all the tears on her face. And, and it's tough to wait. It's tough to wait. No matter what you're waiting for, whether it's a marshmallow, whether, whether it's for your kids to get home, whether it's for the news from the doctor, whether it's for if you'll get that job, no matter what it is for any of us, waiting is hard, and it's especially hard when we have to wait on God. Because I don't know about you, for me, sometimes I think, well, if, if God loves me, and if God is good, and if God is all-powerful, why do I have to wait? Because couldn't he just go, abracadabra, poof, and then there, the thing that I wanted, the thing that would make me happy, the thing that would make life better, the thing that would make life better for people that I love, it would just be, and everything would be fine, it'd be great, it'd be wonderful, right? But it doesn't always work that way. Well, why not? What's the deal with that? Waiting, it can be really, really hard. It can be really hard. But waiting isn't always hard. In fact, waiting doesn't have to be hard. Some people, you, you wait like a mom, you wait like my mom who is very anxious because there's a lot of things going on, but some people, you can wait like a Star Wars fan, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Has anyone seen the movie yet? The, the new one, not the old ones, but the, the new one. Okay, some of us have. I haven't seen it, uh, so don't spoil anything, uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to see it at some point. So for decades, for decades and decades, people, when these movies come out, people have been eagerly awaiting this movie. What they'll do, they'll line up and just like all the way down. This is from uh, Return of the Jedi, which I don't even know when that, I, don't, I wasn't born when that came out. That was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. But the movies are still so awesome, right? It's just, just a great story. And uh, so people were lining up for uh, blocks and blocks to go see Star Wars. And, and even today, did you know that, that in the theater in L.A., there were people that lined up for two weeks they camped out at the movie theater for two weeks wearing Chewbacca costumes and Stormtrooper costumes and all of this stuff. And when they were waiting, they, it was like a party. They were so excited for the movie. The anticipation was building. There's kind of there's two ways to wait, right? You can wait kind of like my mom and, and hoping that things will be okay and, and how is it going to turn out? And, or you can wait like a, like a Star Wars fan, anticipating and looking forward to what is God going to do? How will God come through this time? And it's dramatic. And, it, and I mean, no one wants to wait in long lines, but there really are kind of two ways to wait. And, and what I want to do today is I want to uh, spend some time in in the scripture, because uh, there's a really important story that happens right after Jesus' birth. We just uh, celebrated Christmas, which is where we celebrate the advent, the coming into this world of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he was born, it was an incredible thing because God put on a body and he camped out with us. 
God, I mean, think about that. God, it wasn't just like God's, God in the heaven, uh, in the heavens and, and it's clouds and it's fluffy and it's, and it's white and everything's like just perfect. No, 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 he was in a manger with animals that make animal noises and animal messes. Like it was, it was real life. And God came into that. But he didn't just come into like this nice, I, I think for me sometimes when I think of the Christmas story, just because maybe I grew up at church and, and Christmas is kind of nostalgic for, for me, um, I, I think sometimes it's just kind of like a nice scene. Uh, and, and I forget that it actually was something that happened in history. There were actual people, and there was an actual, uh, there was an actual, uh, f- they had families, and they had a uh, country, and there was a government, and there was all sorts of things that was going on in history. And so when Jesus came onto the scene of history, there were some incredible things that were going on. In fact, the whole nation of Israel had been waiting and waiting and waiting for years, because it had been at least 400 years since the prophets had predicted that a Messiah would come. 400 years. I mean, can you imagine waiting that long? Can you imagine being the, the type of person that, that uh, you hear the prophecy of Jeremiah, or you hear the prophecy of Isaiah, that a child will be born? And you, you know Isaiah, maybe you've met him, you, maybe you heard Isaiah preach. And then you're getting up in years. And you remember that prophecy that Isaiah said that, that there would be a savior that would come and, and then it's the end of your life and you never saw a savior come. And then your kids, they never saw a savior come and they never saw a savior come and they never saw a savior come. 400 years, the nation of Israel had to be struggling as they waited for the Messiah to come. It had to be difficult. I wonder if some of them maybe even gave up waiting. I mean, sure, they'd still do their religion and they'd still kind of be Jewish and everything like that, but, but is a Messiah really coming? I mean, is, is there really hope? Is there really someone that's gonna save us from Rome? I mean, Rome is like the biggest government ever. They've pretty much taken over the whole world. They have all this power. That, I mean, Rome always wins, Is there really someone? Is there really a Messiah? Is that prophecy really true? Is that just some religious stuff? And so the whole nation of Israel had been waiting, and I wonder if they were waiting like my mom, so worried, when's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? Are we gonna be okay? Are we gonna be okay? Which would've been very natural. It's a very human and normal and emotional response for us when we're waiting is, are we gonna be okay? I just wanna be okay. And the, the anxiety starts to take over and it starts to ruminate but there was one guy who was waiting like a Star Wars fan, and his name was Simeon. Let me show you this story. This is good. So Jesus is born, and his parents, they take him to Jerusalem because they want to present him at the temple because that's what actually it says in the Old Testament is when you have your firstborn son, present him to the priest and offer, not offer him like sacrifice him, but offer, because that's not how God works. God doesn't say offer your children like kill them. He says offer them by giving their life, living their life, living their life for God. That's what it means when we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, as Romans 12 says, as living sacrifices unto God. And 
Joseph and Mary are taking Jesus to the temple uh, because they heard this prophecy. They, heard, they saw the angel. The angel came to them and said, you got a special boy. You got a special boy who, who is going to do amazing things in Israel. And while they're at the temple, this, this is what happens. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was, look at this, eagerly waiting. He was waiting like a Star Wars fan. He wasn't waiting like, like my mom. He was waiting like a Star Wars fan. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. It had been 400 years, but he was still eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, that would be pretty cool. Wouldn't it be pretty cool if the Holy Spirit kind of like spoke to you or like uh, just sort of put this impression on your heart that, hey, you're, you're gonna live until Jesus comes back. Wouldn't that be incredible? Like, wow, it's no wonder that Simeon could eagerly await the Messiah. And he was so excited to one day meet the Messiah. And who knows when he heard that. Maybe he heard that when he was 12 years old. And when he was 12 years old, he kind of felt this impression. He maybe he was worshiping in the temple, and he just kind of felt like, I'm going to meet the Messiah. I think God wants me to meet this person, this man that will save us. And I hope that it's soon. And you can imagine that Simeon, maybe he, uh, maybe he got a little bit older, and he got a little bit older, and he got a little bit older, and he started to wonder, well, is this Messiah ever going to come? Or am I just going to, like, live forever until he comes and Simeon, he had to be wondering, when, when, when? But you see, he was eagerly waiting because he knew God's character. He knew that God was good. He knew that God fulfills his promises. He knew that God is a generous God. He knew these things so that he could eagerly await what God had in store for his people. And then that day came. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Isn't it interesting that sometimes half of the battle of Christianity, half the battle of, of uh, getting through life even is just showing up, just being there, just just showing up and being with the people that need you, just showing up and being in God's house, just showing up and just being there. You don't, you don't have to be a, a rock star. You don't have to win everything, but sometimes just to even show up, that can make all the difference. See, Simeon, he was in the right place to experience Jesus. He was in the right place to fulfill the calling that God had on his life. And it wasn't because he was perfect. It wasn't because he never messed up. It wasn't because he had a lot of money. It wasn't because he was awesome. It was because he showed up. He, he was righteous and devout, which essentially means he showed up. He came to the temple. He was eagerly awaiting for God to do something. Simeon was there. And he took the child into his arms, and praising God, he said, 
And essentially, he sings a song. Can you imagine if you're just walking through church, maybe you have your firstborn son, and, and it's the day that you're going to get him baptized or something like that, and you're walking into church, and then some old dude just kind of runs up to you and just grabs your boy and starts singing. You know, wouldn't that just be weird? That'd be like crazy, right? But this is essentially what Simeon does, is he, he comes up and he grabs Jesus, and, and he, he essentially sings this song. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Everyone say all people. people. You have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to who? What's it say? To what? To the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now look at this in verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Now I find it interesting that, um, that uh, Mary and Joseph would be amazed because it's only like a chapter earlier, not even, it's a couple of verses earlier that uh, there's all these angels and there's all these crazy spiritual experiences where God intervenes and says, hey, uh, you know, Mary, you're gonna like be pregnant and um, I know that you're a virgin, but you're gonna be pregnant and it's gonna be a really rough time in your life, but have faith, it's gonna be okay, we'll get you through. I know you're, you're gonna be waiting for everything to be okay, but I will get you through. And you'd figure that when they show up to the temple and Simeon grabs Jesus, they'd, they'd just be like, yep, makes sense, because we got the Savior, that's our little boy. You know, it makes a lot of sense, but they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Why were they amazed? Because when, when Gabriel came to Mary and said, hey, you got a special boy, they thought that salvation was only coming to Israel. They thought salvation was coming to a very particular people. But this is the first time in Luke's gospel where we see that salvation that comes through Jesus, it's not just for Jewish people. It's not just for the people with the right religion. It's not just for the people with the right heritage. It's actually for all people. It's for all people. Uh, Simeon says it. He says, I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, not just to Israel, not just to the people that have it all together. It's to all people. Mary and Joseph are like, oh, this is so much bigger. Jesus isn't just for this one little section of the world. It's for the whole world. Jesus, salvation through Jesus it's for everyone. It's for everyone. And, and that's, I mean, that's like a nice way to sum up what his little song is. It's salvation, for Je- for, for salvation from Jesus, by Jesus, it's for everyone. But then Simeon does this weird thing uh, where he like goes dark, you know, kind of says, hey, it's not all going to be perfect. Uh, this is what he says. Then Simeon blessed them, which is it's interesting to call this a blessing. Uh, he blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be the joy of many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Welcome to church, right? <laughs> wow, that's dark, Simeon. That's, that's crazy stuff. 
And there was something that the Holy Spirit was speaking to Simeon where I don't know if he knew exactly what would happen to Jesus, but it wasn't going to be uh, more than 30-some years and Jesus would be hanging on a cross and his mother would watch her baby die. And you have to imagine that in that moment, her soul was pierced. And so everything that Simeon predicted about Jesus' life, it, it, it came true. But this is kind of an easy way of summing up uh, what the whole prophecy of Simeon, the whole song of Simeon was. This is, this is what it would be right here. So it's salvation through Jesus, it's for everyone. We, we can put it up on the screen there, Eric. Uh, it, yeah, that's one. Salvation through Jesus is for everyone. It's for everyone. But not everyone is for salvation through Jesus. Salvation, it's for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Salvation is for you. Jesus came into this world Christmas, God coming and putting on a body and then growing up and dying on a cross and then rising from the grave and giving us hope for life everlasting, hope that beats sin and death and the devil. That is for you. It's not just for kind of like people. It's for, it's for you, specifically for you. But have you noticed not everyone is for salvation through Jesus. In fact, some Christians aren't for salvation through Jesus. Have you noticed that? Some Christians, they think that salvation comes from having your politics right. Or they think that salvation comes through uh, your moral behavior. Or they think that salvation, uh, it comes through uh, doing all these good religious works or, or maybe your church attendance or something like that. It comes, it comes from behaving and being this awesome, perfect little Christian. And then you're saved. Then God's happy with you. Then you're worthy of heaven. No, that's not what Simeon said. It's not what the Bible says. That's not biblical. It's religious, but it's not biblical. A lot of people, they like the whole aspect of, oh, yeah, God is for everyone, but salvation through Jesus. I mean, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, not a way, a truth, or a life. I don't know about that. And so what, what are the things that, um, that we like to, like to look to for salvation, that we look to to make us whole, to make our life full? Uh, and, and if you're not a Christian and you're here today and you're kind of listening in or, uh, you know, it was Christmas and so everyone in your family, they come to church around Christmas and so glad that you're here. Uh, but you might be thinking, well, you know, I, I don't even believe that God exists, so why would I look to Jesus for salvation? Well, what I want to do, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we all look to to make us whole, to make us full, and just talk about why the Bible offers something different and something better. So for a lot of us, we look to our background for our salvation. And especially if maybe you're Jewish or you're Catholic uh, or, you, or like uh, you're, it's your nationality or something like that, you look to those things and say, I'm of worth, God likes me, God is for me, uh, or I am worthy or maybe more worthy than someone else because I have this particular background. And we all know that there's lots of problems with this. This is where racism comes from. This is where sexism comes from. This is where all those other isms come from. My background is superior to someone else's background because God likes my background better. And so that one's obviously problematic. Uh, th that's obviously not biblical. Uh, th there's obviously problems there. So background doesn't work. What about religious works? If you attend church enough, will God let you into heaven? No. No, no, no. Wh where does it say that? In scripture, it doesn't say it anywhere. 
There's nothing in there saying if you show up to church X number of times or if you show up to church every week or if you give this amount of money or if you behave a certain way or whatever, if you get baptized uh, but it doesn't mean anything in your heart, if you take communion but it doesn't mean anything in your heart, there's no faith present there, that won't, that won't save. Salvation is by grace through faith, not through religious ritual without faith. So our religious works, is, it's not gonna save us. How about this one? This one's really important. Our intellectual progress. Now this is one for me, especially in college, like I thought that uh, if I wanted to be a good Christian, I needed to know all the answers. So what did I do? I got on the internet. <laughs> I got on the internet, and the internet has all the answers, let me tell you. <laughs> they have all the answers. So I got on the internet, and I started looking up YouTube videos of all these people with like, that seemed really intelligent because they had glasses, and they had gray hair, and they, I don't know, they seemed really smart. Uh, and so, uh, so I listened to them, or I would read these articles, and, and I thought, if I just got really, really smart about God, or if I get really, really smart about the world, if I know everything about philosophy, and I know everything about uh, morality, and I know all these, all the different arguments, arguments and syllogisms and, and all the cool things, and I got really into apologetics, and, and the problem with all of that, all of my, and I got smarter, at least a little bit, the problem with all of that intellectual progress is that it didn't change my heart. It didn't change what was broken within me. In fact, sometimes it made my behavior even worse. Knowledge is like, it's like power, it's like, uh, knowledge is like, um, it's like a weapon. It's like a tool, something that you could use for good or, or not. And it really just depends on the maturity of your character, whether you're gonna use that knowledge well. And, and for me, especially when it came to my faith, I didn't. I kind of beat people up with my faith and tried to intellectually muscle them into Christianity and, and it never worked. Never, ever worked. And you might say, well, that's fine for you, but I don't believe in Christianity. I just believe in getting smarter, and as we advance in science, we'll begin to solve all the world's problems, and, and essentially, that's, that's a, a philosophy called modernism. And modernism is something that started with the Enlightenment in uh, the 1700s, and there's lots of people that have been thinking that way for centuries. But it was the Enlightenment that developed the technology that started things like wars. And in this past century, it's been the bloodiest, most war-ravaged century in human history, in part because of our intellectual progress without the character of heart to hold that progress and steward it well. Our, our intellectual progress, that's, that's not what's gonna save us. A lot of people say, well, I'm a good person. I deserved to get into heaven. I'm a good person. Well, you're probably a better person than me. But the truth is that no matter how good we are, we can't measure up to God's goodness. There's nothing about us that, that uh, and let me just be clear, you're a good person, you're a valuable person, God loves you, but there's no way that like, we can go to God and say, hey, I behave so well that you owe me. There's, there's no way, like, how, how could we do that? What can we actually bring to God and say, hey, I behaved all these ways, so you owe me heaven, or you owe me blessing, or you owe me this, that, or the other. None of us could do that, because we're human. 
We all make mistakes. Sometimes we even make mistakes on purpose. And so our good behavior, it's, it's not going to get us there. How about our politics? If we just vote for the right person, if we just get the, we could get the world set up right, and then we could create this political utopia, and everyone would be happy. Well, why are we so divided politically then? Hope never really talks about like who you should vote for, and I'm not going to say who you should, because I, I don't really have an opinion on that. But as Christians, well, no matter who is in the Oval Office, we will always have a king in heaven. And that king has a character that is far, far superior. He has a love that's far, far superior than anyone that we could elect into any office. And so we look to, no matter who's in that office, we look to our king for salvation, not our politics. And this is the one that, um, that I think, as Americans, uh, it's, this is a tough one. Our independence, we look to just be like, like, if I could just be financially independent, then everything will be okay. If I could be relationally independent, I don't have to depend on my, my dad, or I don't have to depend on uh, my boss, or I don't have to depend, depend on anyone. I'm going to start my own company, and then everything will be great then. Our independence, it's, it's so good. Like, that's part of being an American, you know? Like, independence is a great thing. Having rights, that's a, that's a great thing. Having the free, God made us with free will. Why? Because he wanted us to, on our own, independently choose to be in relationship with him. He wanted us to love and cherish him. Not because we had to, but because we had the freedom to, and we chose to, because he loved us first. But the truth is that our independence, that doesn't make us full. In fact, when we look at the things that make us very empty and the regrets that we carry and the things we wish we could do over and over again, the reason why we wish we could do them over again is because we had so much freedom and so much independence that we misused. And the independence that we misused created regret in our life. And there's a problem with all of these things. When we look to these things to make our life full and make our life whole and, and find salvation and freedom, there's a problem with all of them. If you just go to that next slide, I'll reveal it. Here we are. It's about your background. It's about your religious works. It's about your intellectual progress. Salvation's about your good works, your politics, and your independence. Do you notice the theme here? When salvation is all about you and what you do, it's not going to work. You'll still be empty. You'll still be waiting on something. Do you ever feel like your soul's just waiting on something? You're not sure what it is. It's just like there's got to be something more. And if you look to these things and it's all about your background and your religious works and all you, 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 you're missing the good of God. You're missing what Simeon's talking about when he says that salvation is for all people. He said that it's through this little baby boy that'll grow up to be a man who will die on a cross and be put in a grave and three days later he will rise from the dead so that those that trust him, that put their faith in him, will have everlasting life, fullness of life. Not that they'll have a perfect life this side of heaven, but they will have everlasting life and they will have a God that loves them, who journeys with them, the spirit of God that lives inside of them. There will be salvation. How does salvation come? It doesn't come from you. It comes from God. It comes from God's grace. We can just go to that next slide right there. It comes from God's 
grace through Jesus Christ. That's how salvation comes. That's how wholeness comes. When you're waiting on something, God's grace is what gets you through, and it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Whatever your circumstance is, whatever you're waiting on today, salvation, what you're waiting for, the fullness of your soul, it's found in Jesus. You might say, well, that doesn't sound very practical, Nick. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm waiting uh, for a paycheck, and, and I, just, I just need to get to this amount of money to be okay. But the truth is, even if that paycheck doesn't come, you have a God who loves you and cares for you and will be with you. Your salvation, it's in heaven. It's not on earth. It's in things that are eternal. It's not in things that will uh, rot and, and uh, waste away. No, salvation is for you. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It's for you. And I think that that's one of the hardest things for me to believe sometimes, is this for me. If I'm being honest with you, one of my biggest personal struggles is I think grace is for everyone. It's for the whole world, except for me. Except for me. And I don't have a good reason for thinking that. It's just a lie I believe sometimes. But everyone gets God's grace, everyone gets God's forgiveness, everyone gets God's love, but I have to earn it. I have to perform. I have to be good enough. I don't know, maybe some of you can relate. But for me, it's tough to really think that God's grace, it's for everyone, including me. And the truth is that some of you right now, you're thinking of all the reasons why you you don't deserve God's grace. You're thinking of what you did last weekend. You're thinking of the mistake you made years ago. You're thinking of the person that you hurt. You're thinking of all these different things. The, the reasons why you don't deserve God's grace, the reasons why you don't fit the mold. But the truth is Jesus broke that mold so you could fit. The mold is Jesus. That's the reason why it's grace. Grace is a gift. Did you know in the New Testament, uh, I I found this fascinating, that the Greek word for gift and the Greek word for grace are related. They're almost identical. Grace is a gift. And when you're waiting, maybe maybe you think of like Christmas Day and you're, uh, I don't know, there's those cruel parents that want to eat breakfast before they open presents. I don't understand that. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and you're just waiting on that gift. You're waiting on that gift. You're waiting on our Lord and Savior to come. You're waiting for him to establish our kingdom and to set things right, to take the broken parts of your life and put them back together. You're waiting. You're waiting. Keep waiting. It's worth it. Keep waiting. He's coming. He will give you the grace. He will give you the strength to carry on. He will. Because our God fulfills his promises. And can you imagine what it would look like if, if uh, for all the things that we're waiting on, all the things that we're searching for and seeking in our souls, if, if we started waiting on Jesus like a Star Wars fan? Can you imagine what would happen in this community, in, in, in this city, if there were more people that were so excited about what Jesus is going to do, they were so excited they, that they started, you know, like doing things like, I don't know, putting concrete on, on people's floors who are getting sick in Haiti, or started uh, raising money to buy medicine and, and get food for people and all sorts of different things, awaiting what God is going to do to bring his kingdom, because in his kingdom, there will be no illness, there will be no hunger, there will be no poverty, there will be no pain, there will be no sorrow, there will be joy because we will be in the presence of our God. And in his kingdom, 
There is no waiting. In his kingdom, there's salvation. And it's coming. So how are you going to wait? What are you waiting for right now? Which way are you going to wait? Are you, are you going to wait maybe like, like my mom? And, and it's very normal. It's human because there's things we care about. But maybe, maybe we could wait. Instead of our problems being okay, waiting for them to you know, resolve, we can wait on our Savior who brings grace and peace and joy regardless of the circumstances. So will you stand with me? I just want to say a prayer over all of us as we go. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's so many people in here that are waiting right now. They're waiting on you. They're waiting for you to come through on on a prayer that they've been praying for a long time. They're waiting for you to do something, to act in that person that they love's life. They're waiting on healing. They're waiting uh, for, for you to do something that only you can do. They're waiting for you to bring significance into their life. They're waiting for you to show yourself. And Lord, we, we just lift all of our waiting hearts up to you as we continue to wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask now that you would take our hearts and you would mold them to be like Simeon's. And that you would fill them with the good news that Jesus came. That while Israel waited for 400 years, Jesus came. And he came in a way that was absolutely and utterly unexpected and glorious. And so would you fill our hearts and our imaginations with what you're going to do in our lives and what you're going to do in this world. Give us glimpses of heaven so that we can praise you for who you are and what you're about to do. Make us eager waiters. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go in peace and serve the Lord?